Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Let's, let's do our declaration. Won't you stand with me? All right, are you ready? Okay. I'm a child of God. The Father loves me. The Father forgives me. And the Father wants me. I am His. He is mine. Therefore, my past won't haunt me. The future doesn't scare me. Because in His presence is where I live. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so, uh, ooh, I hope that works. I got about one bar yet left, and I forgot I had something on here, so let me... I wonder if I can just excuse me for a second. Airdrop. Okay. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, last week. Uh, I, I do want to set some things clear, and I did that on a Wednesday night, I, I believe. Um, So, um, ooh, Steve's iPad, that'll work. And there it is. Isn't technology great? When it, when it worked, well, you just blasted it because now it didn't work. Okay, uh, here we go. Sending, there it is. And then, okay, this is going to help me stay focused in, um, good, 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 upload. All right. Oh, wait. Now it just airdropped it back to my phone, I think. But anyway, we got this. Here we go. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay, so last week I told you, I think I did, I think I did something kind of funny. Uh, so... Two weeks ago, or last week, we were talking about uh, Awaken, right? Uh, uh, the theme for this coming year and, and what that means. And then I told you, I think last week, I know for sure, I said, there's one more thing the Lord told me. I don't think I ever told you what it was. I think got sidetracked. And I don't think I ever came back to it. So none of you ever said anything. So I think, I figure we're even. So I'm going to tell you what that is. But I want to explain a little bit about what I was talking about when I said Awaken. Now, I think <coughs> this last Wednesday night, um, I, I felt the, the Spirit of God in the room. I, I really did. And um, I mean, I almost took an offering. It was that good. It was that powerful. Just kidding. Um, you know, I'm just for those people who always think that preachers only want your money. Um, uh, we don't want your money um, as much as we value your presence here with us. So, um, so last Wednesday night, I explained a little bit about this idea of awakening because I think when I was talking on Sunday, because... Um, I have, uh, there's, a, there's a holiness bent in me, and there is somewhat of an evangelistic bent in me, and my gifting is naturally prophetic on my spiritual gifts test, which was like, duh. Um, so because of that, when I preach, and I've told you this before, sometimes it can feel like, woo, right? And that's just part of the anointing, but part of learning also how to take what God is downloading and, and, and bring it out in a way 
that, it, so that's why I go grace sometimes like this, because you got to season me with grace. Otherwise, you think I, I'm always challenging you, and I'm always hammering you, and that's not necessarily the case. Uh, uh, I get excited. So when we talk about this idea of awaken uh, last week, uh, I was not suggesting that you're dead. And so when we, we look at this term awaken and we look at it in the Bible, um, we see it in Revelations where Jesus is coming to one of the seven churches and he says, you know, you think you're alive, but you're actually dead and you need to wake up and blah, 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 this kind of stuff. So I, I am not saying that we as a church are dead. I am saying um, uh, what we talked about this Wednesday is uh, a few things that, that God kind of moved with us is um, we may have been in a season of rest which, which, which God does. There's Sabbath seasons that we go into, which is not like you give up, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cease of, of striving. It's not giving up on anything, but there are seasons of rest. Um, as Jesus was moving in um, throughout, there were times that he got away to pray. Now, he was always moving. He had three years to get what he had to get done, but there's always times where he was going... <coughs> getting away to pray and connect with the Father. And that is a rest. I don't know if you know that or not, but whenever you get into the presence of your Father, He does not come without rest and peace. He, also, he may come with correction, and He may come with whatever He comes with, but He does not come without rest and peace in that sense uh, that He brings. Okay, so uh, in looking at um, this idea of what God is going to do or is asking of us, it is time for us to come out of our rest and it's time for us to re-engage in the purpose and the plan that God has for us to do in this area that we live in, okay? Now, that does not mean that we busy ourselves with a bunch of frenetic energy that's not going anywhere, that gets us really tired. When you are doing the work of the Lord, um, there is a Sabbath rest that even comes upon you in that as well. So his yoke is easy and his burden is light kind of thing, you understand? All right, so... Um, uh, sleep, re-engage, rest, um, and then, um, so that's, that's what I believe that God is, is, really, is really bringing to us. So I want to make sure you understand that. So this is a chance, because if we stay too long in rest, then what begins to happen is, is we begin to lose sight of dreams and purpose and callings and all those things that, that kind of you know, are exciting to our spirit and wake us, wake us up a little bit. So part of Awaken is, is going back and re-engaging the dreams and the purposes that you, that you felt God had called long ago. And some of you sit, may be sitting there and say, hey, listen, I, I, I don't know that I've ever had a dream or calling on my life. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. That doesn't mean there isn't one. And re-engaging is where you'll find that. Now, um, and when you're looking at... Uh, this uh, awaken, you know, Jesus in, in the Gospels was, was always talking about, um, well, not always, but he, he specifically talked a few times about, you know, like the harvest is plentiful, but pray for laborers to come. So part of awakening is understanding the purpose of what Jesus is saying 2,000 years ago, <clears throat> that while he was here on the earth, and I believe from then until the end is a harvest of souls. I, I don't think it's, it's just about the few great awakenings that come and touch uh, certain parts of, of the world and revival, although those are good, I think we are always in a harvest season right now in the middle of a cornfield. No matter what it looks like on the external, uh, internal right now, uh, there is a harvest going on, a harvest uh, for people. 
Now, we want people not because, understand, not because we want, we want to fill this auditorium, although, sure, that's nice. Everybody would like to have busting. But the reality is, is we want the harvest of souls so that the king can get everything that he paid for on the cross. Okay, so this is about us being faithful servants and re-engaging uh, in, the, in the great commission and the great commandment, okay? And we'll talk more about that later, but I just kind of want to, um, and now secondly, um, there's a second thing that the Lord talked to me about. So we were talking about, <coughs> excuse me, we were talking about awakening and, and everything that means, and, and we're going to use that as we're going through and doing this 24-7 prayer for 30 days. So we're excited about that, right? All right, good. You will be because I'm telling you, the last time we did this, listen, it's not going to be easy. God is not going to call us to something that's going to be easy. God is going to call us to something that's going to be hard. But in the midst of the difficulty of what we're doing in praying 24-7, you're going to meet intensely the presence of God where you pray. And someday you'll believe that. I'm serious about this. When you separate yourself from the world for a specific amount of time to purposely meet your father, he is going to show up. He's going to show up and he's going to bring revelation. He's going to bring everything that comes with it. Maybe not all at once, but throughout the time, you're, you're going to have a complete experience <coughs> with the father. Okay. You don't have to believe me now. But, you'll, but after, after 30 days, after March 30th, you're going to be coming and talking to me about the things that God was doing in the midst of wherever you set up to pray for an hour. But I, I bet my house on it. I would. Okay. The th- second thing that, that, that God said is, um, and again, uh, in weird places that he talks to me about this, um, is that there's, there's going to be a new sound coming out of worship. Okay? Um, now, what exactly does new sound mean? Uh, that does not mean different songs. I mean, I do want to do different songs. We did a new song today. It was cool. I liked it uh, when I finally figured out the rhythm about halfway through. But, um, <laughs> girls, you were right on. I was catching up. So, um, it's not about like just new, throwing new songs. It's, 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 this, this new sound is connected to this idea of awakening. I want to explain that a little bit to you. So in the book of Acts, we have everybody in the upper room, right? And they are following the promise that Jesus told them to do. And that promise was, uh, stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. All right, so if they don't stay in Jerusalem, they don't become endued with power. Make sense? <coughs> you got to... You, so... This idea of, of, of them in one place, of one accord, in unity, praying the promise, and then what happens? After days, right, the, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and there is a sound with that. The Bible records it as the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And this mighty rushing wind comes to these 100 to 120 people up in an upper room that half of them, or most of them, are scared to death because of what has happened and Romans are looking for them and all this different kind of stuff. But they're in the upper room and they're praying the promises because Jesus said, stay here until you're endued with power. Now they may not have any idea what that looks like while they're praying. But they're going to find out. 
So as they're in the upper room and they're praying, the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, blows through. So here's the thing. They're obedient to what Jesus said. When you look, when you first get the, the, the word worship in the Bible, right? The first time you get the word worship in the Bible is connected with Abraham and Isaac. It has nothing to do with singing. It has everything to do with obedience, because Abraham has packed up everything, and the guys are following him, and, Ab and Isaac's with them. He's like, now you guys stay here, and the lad and I will go yonder, and we will worship. So they've packed up all their stuff, and Abraham and Isaac are going up to the mountain that God had called them to. And Abraham, or Isaac doesn't know this yet, but Isaac doesn't know yet that he's a sacrifice. I don't know how willing he would be able to go on that camping trip if he knew that he was going to be a sacrifice, right? <coughs> so he's, they're going up there, and you have this conversation. Uh, Father, I see all this stuff, but where is the sacrifice? My son, you are the sacrifice. Surprise! Okay. So he's, he's got the wood, he's ready to sacrifice his son, everything is set up, and, and, and the angel of the Lord comes down and says, no, for now I know that basically my translation is, you love me more than my promise. My promises are good, but do you love my promises or do you love me? I want to make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're following who I am. I never break my promises, but are you following me for what I can do or are you following me for who I am? Okay? It's the first time you hear the word worship in the Bible. Now, what we call worship here is, is singing, is song. And, and that is a small part of the broader sense of, of the word. It's not like singing songs is not about a worship, but it's not about singing songs is, doesn't have anything to do with worship. It does. But when you're singing, is, is, is your heart clean? They used to say, they used to say that Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. <laughs> grace, 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 grace. Okay? Because, you know, we sing, I surrender all, but we, we really don't sometimes, right? Now, listen, I, I think that's a little harsh because I think sometimes we're always on uh, process. We're always going to a place. And so I, I, I'm not fully complete now. I don't know if you knew that. I, I, I'm not, I'm better than what I was, but I'm not quite who I am. And I'm, but I'm heading in that direction. Okay, so, I, I, and, and I'm going to keep going in that direction until I see him face to face, right? And then I'm going to be completed. I'm going to be whole. I'm going to be perfected, right? Now I'm being perfected and I'm going towards the, but, I, but I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm, she thinks I am, but, <laughs> right. Well, watch out for the lightning here. Okay. <clears throat> so there's a new sound that's coming and this, this new sound is connected to this idea of awaken, awaken. So we're going to awaken, <coughs> and engage what God has for us. And, and that's really not about doing something. It's about just re-engaging in your time with the Lord, first and foremost. So if you're going to awaken, you got to go to the guy who can do the awakening, right? Right? So we, we're going to meet with the Lord and, and not just pray that God give me this and God give me this and pretend that he's a lottery or a Harry Potter thing that gives you wishes, or a genie, he's not that. But we want to meet with the Lord. We know he's got something for us to do, but we want to know him. Paul would say this, I want to know you and the, the power of your resurrection, the sufferings of the cross. I want to know everything about it. <coughs> now listen, that, that's not going to be easy. As a matter of fact, even today as you go home, you'll be thinking about this, and there's going to be a thousand reasons coming to you from your flesh and the enemy that tell you that this guy is crazy and we shouldn't listen to him. Oh, you've already had that? Oh, okay. That already happened? Okay. 
there's gonna be a whole lot of things that are gonna come your way to try and keep you from experiencing all that God has for you in this season. And this is where we transferred from Wednesday night into today's message, okay? So you're not bad, you're not evil, but we're gonna awaken with excitement and enthusiasm of what God has for us. We are going to inhabit a land spiritually. And then literally. Do you remember this summer what I was telling you? God is giving away cities. God is giving away cities and towns. He's giving, he's looking for people who will pay the price in prayer <coughs> and hunger in, in intimacy with him and that they will give themselves for something better. Your, my, my own plans, my own thoughts, my own desires of what I think of what I want to see happen. Get rid of that idea of trying to process that through my carnal flesh and process it through the spiritual and say, listen, if God is going to give me a city, it's going to cost me something. Do I want what God wants or am I trying to save my own life? Okay. I want what God wants. Now listen, <clears throat> sometimes we think we're suffering for Jesus when we're really just suffering because our flesh has more control than our spirit. That's not the suffering of the Lord. Or that's not the paying of the price. You're like, oh. Well, shoot. <laughs> so I... I get over this stuff of suffering with the things that I struggle with to go on to suffer for other things? Yep. And you'll never be more blessed in your life when you do it. You'll never be more blessed in your life than if you take him at his word. Okay, now, what I want to talk about these next few Sundays is this idea of spiritual warfare uh, <clears throat> for what we believe that God uh, is wanting to do. And, and, and again, I'll, I'll more clearly define that in these next few Sundays of what probably this is going to look like all the while leaving uh, it open for flexibility of what the Spirit wants to do. But it's okay to plan stuff. It's just also okay to be flexible when this Holy Spirit wants to come in and change some things. Okay? Okay? That's not flying by the seat of your pants. When the Holy Spirit comes in and changes something, He's got a plan and you're just following along. Now, there are times when people fly by the seat of their pants. I, I mean, I've, I've flown by the seat of my pants for so many times. I've actually grown wings back there. So, um, but uh, when the Holy Spirit comes to invade or take over a service, that's something different. And I, I, believe that, I believe that he desires to do that more often on our Sunday gatherings. And, and my purpose is to prepare myself to know the spirit of the Lord when he's coming into a room and then what does he want in that moment. And it may not always be just on me. I mean, uh, I'm sitting there uh, while uh, she's giving announcements and, and Michelle goes, did you feel a shift? And I'm like, oh, no. And she's like, it was, it was in worship. There were some things. She's like, I, I felt this shift. I may not have felt it, but I, 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 I believe what she's saying. So God may not always give me the answers or, or exactly of what is happening. He may be speaking to one of you or maybe speaking to an elder and saying, listen, I, I felt the Lord say this. And that could be the igniter fluid to what God desires to do. 
Yeah? Okay. Bueller? Okay. <laughs> so when we talk about uh, spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare is throughout the Bible. It is not just a New Testament concept. Um, and we have to be careful with spiritual warfare because um, we, uh, you don't want to go so far into, far into spiritual warfare that there's a demon around every single corner of your house or under the rug or anything like that. They're not that good. And they're not that powerful. Okay? Their main thing that they do is intimidation, right? If they try to intimidate, remember, there are, he, the devil walks around like a lion, like a roaring lion, but he's not a roaring lion. He's been defanged and he's been declawed. He has no power. So the only thing he has is fear and intimidation. And he's very good at those things. He's very, very good at those things. And so what fear and intimidation do, it's like, um, <clears throat> you, ever, you ever woke up in the middle of the night and think there's somebody in your house? Remember what that felt like? Because you were like, there's this powerless feeling. For some of the guys, it's like, oh, yeah, right? Because they've already got a strap to their side or something. I don't know. But anyway, <coughs> but for most of people, they're like, there's this powerless feeling that something has come in to your domain that was not invited. And that feeling that comes upon you of, of utter of fear of, of what are we going to do? Uh, what is this, uh, you know, and sometimes it's a paralyzing fear. Ever, ever been there? Ever have a, a paralyzing fear to where you really feel, oh, you're lying, you have to. Um, <laughs> to where you just, you're frozen, right? Because of fear, and, and that's, that's the enemy. Because the purpose of his fear and his intimidation is to paralyze you from doing anything. And once you're paralyzed, from doing it. And this is, this is not just an incident. People have been paralyzed in fear and in intimidation for years by the enemy. And they've only walked where, they, where he has said they could walk because of fear and intimidation. And it wraps around them like this blanket that at, when they wear it too long, it becomes this blanket that's almost warm and cozy, but it's a lie. It feels warm and cozy to you because you've allowed yourself to be wrapped up in bondage and, and, and that. But... And what's scary is when we feel God trying to tug at the blanket to unwrap us. Because our bondage has been so comfortable that we don't know what freedom really is. And freedom then becomes fearful because we don't know anything about it. And so you're like, well, what does this mean? Where do you, where do you get this from? Remember the Hebrews coming out of Egypt? What did they constantly say? Oh, that we were back in Egypt, where at least we had food. Now listen, they've seen the Red Sea parted. They've seen the Egyptians destroyed. They've been through the, the, the plagues and everything that God did. They've seen the Nile turn red. They've seen all these fantastic, supernatural things that God has done. <coughs> It was not enough for them to put their faith in where he was leading them. Let me say that again. Everything that God did supernaturally was not enough for them to trust him in where he was leading them. Now, this is a charismatic church. We believe that 
whatever the Holy Spirit started, the Holy Spirit is continuing to do. Okay? We believe that. But we are no different from Egyptians if we allow, because of what I just explained to you. We can get so caught up in things, but still have trouble trusting him with our lives. And sometimes we become like Pharisees because we're seeking a sign for him to prove himself instead of trusting who he is and then doing the signs in ministry on purpose. Does that make sense? So we like to, we like to look at the interests and go, man, those guys. Well, that's actually part of the human condition. The brokenness of the, and the carnality of, of who we are is to not trust that he'll do what he says he's, he would do. Because it's not always easy. You know, when you're walking out in the desert and you don't have, when you're three days out there and you don't have any water. Oh, then we would go back to Egypt. Oh, and I'd go back to where I started. Oh, this. Oh, that. Oh, we, we, we're so hungry. Well, here's manna. Oh, is all we got to eat manna? Well, here's quail. Oh, I'm going to complain about this. Listen, you don't put up with that with your children. I don't like what mom fixed to dinner. Then go to bed hungry. Because you certainly ain't getting no cookies. You're like, when, you, when your kids start complaining about everything, right? You bring in the rod of correction. This is not the way the world works. You don't just get what you want. Mom is not a fast food cook just to cook you. This is what we're having for dinner. You eat it or you don't eat. That, that is the way it is. But this is what we're as a family. And they complain, oh, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like this. You're going to not like something else here in about a minute, right? You know? I can change your attitude in like two seconds, son or daughter, Right? Now translate that into the Heavenly Father who listens to this through prayers of saints 24-7. I'm not saying that, that God's going to get angry with you or he's going to strike you. I'm saying that he's a good dad. He understands our human condition. But in Egypt's realm, he got a little sick and tired of their complaining because their complaining was a direct, a direct indictment of him not being a good dad and failure to provide. Woo. Ouch. When Jesus talks about prayer, he's like, hey, listen, you can pray to your father in heaven, but understand he already knows what you need. It's not like he's on vacation and you've got to send an email and hope he reads it when he gets back. He that watches over us neither slumbers or sleeps. Okay? Now, uh, so <clears throat> part of us, and when we're engaging in spiritual warfare, is the addressing of, you know, the carnal nature. We all got one. <clears throat> you don't think you do. Go back to when the last time you, was you were offended. It probably wasn't very long ago. <laughs> and, and start there. Right? With, your, with the carnality of mankind. So we have a sinful nature that is, is we're trying to process out through the Holy Spirit. He's bringing things. And this is not a bad thing. We're, we all got this. We're all living with this, but we're all on process. We're all going in a direction to where there's as little of the carnal man as possible and more of the spiritual man is, is reigning through us, okay? So we're all on that journey. We're all at different levels, so we all have grace for one another <coughs> while we're all growing in that. But part of spiritual warfare... <coughs> 
is understanding that sometimes the majority of what I face may be myself. Oh, there's, there, there's, there's the demonic. There, there absolutely is. And there's demonic beings over territories, and there's demonic beings. There, there's a range uh, of like, uh, uh, like, like the army. There's, there's an order into which uh, things fit. And there are, there are higher ranking demonic realms or, or demonic beings. And there are your little, you know, buck private demons and stuff like that too. Now, the reason where we get this from is, <clears throat> is, is, from, uh, is from the Bible actually. Because the Bible, Jesus, um, well, we look at throughout the Bible, we see that there are archangels. There are, there are angels in the heavenly realms that are ascending in rank and order. And they do different and specific jobs, Right? for the Lord and for us. Okay? So the devil is not an inventor. He's just paste and copy or copy and paste. Right? So there's that. With those that fell in the garden or uh, those that fell from the heavenly realms were not just a certain level of a, of a demon. They, they were ranking things. So they were, they were, they were, they were, uh, divine beings that were probably high ranking as what we would think were archangels that actually fell along with lower-ranking demonic beings as well, too. So it's basically in the demonic realm, there is a hierarchy. Now, Jesus on the cross and power over the grave uh, really takes a whole lot of power away from them. They don't own anything anymore. All they got is intimidation, like I told you, and fear. And what they're asking for is for you to do what Adam and Eve did, did, is to trust them and hand over to them your keys again so they can have rule and reign in your life. The devil can't make you do nothing. There's no such thing as the devil made me do it. There is a such thing as I surrendered uh, the plans of the enemy and I gave myself over to it. How do you give yourself over to the enemy? <clears throat> Part of that is when the enemy, what he'll do is he'll come around and he'll try to appeal to your carnal flesh at your weakest point. And submitting to the enemy is agreeing with him about what he wants to do in that soft chink in your armor. And that's not always what we would say are bad things. Like that's not, oh, you know, all of a sudden he just came to me and I gave myself over to sexual morality. No. I'll start really small about telling you what's okay to watch first on television. Or streaming. There are shows that my wife and I sat down to watch. For, we, you know, we, streaming, you know, sit down. We, you know, we take Sunday afternoon or something and, and we're watching a, sh- a show or something on Netflix or whatever it was. And we started one thing and it was like, nope. First show. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. <clears throat> because <clears throat> if I were to tell you what it is and you're watching it, you would think that I am preaching a holiness message that you need to be like me to be right with Jesus. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I was, my wife and I were convicted of something and so we're not letting that conviction fall to the wayside. Now, if we're not paying attention, we would say, oh, that, we can watch this. It gets better later on. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I don't, I don't know. But when we were watched that first show, we were like, I don't think we should have that in our house. Okay. And, and, and we did. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying we're perfect, 
<clears throat> don't put me on a pedestal. I am not the standard of holiness that you should attain to. The standard of holiness that you attain to comes from Jesus, and he's given you righteousness. You walk in it, okay? All right, <clears throat> so now you understand. I'm not setting myself up on a pedestal. I'll even come down and say that. I'm not setting myself up on a stage <clears throat> telling you what you have to do. I'm saying God will talk to you about what you are to allow in your homes. God will talk to you about what you are to allow in his temple. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Right? That whole line. There's, there's, a, there's a really, it's really kind of a prophetic little thing when it comes to what you're allowing into your temple. What you allow into your temple, you allow into your family. What you allow into your family is going to take root. What begins to take root then is going to form what we're, we're going to talk about in just not very long. Because I know I've, I've, I was preaching along the last two Sundays. And so, <laughs> but uh, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, um, this is Paul. He says, I beg you that when I am present, I may not have to be bold with the confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, <clears throat> we do not war <clears throat> according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Okay? It exalts itself into the, the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. So a lot of stuff there, but what you got in just that, those few short scriptures is you've got a basic understanding of how you're going to do spiritual warfare for yourself. Because if you're entertaining those things and, and you're drifting off center and the enemy is trying to put, allow you to get involved, then what happens is, is, is the enemy, you don't give the enemy any land that he ain't going to build a stronghold on. And the first thing he's going to do is he's going to build a stronghold in your mind. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to change your thinking about the Father. Just like he did in Genesis chapter 3. Did God really say? For us, it might be, aren't you above that? Haven't you gotten to a level of maturity that you now handle some of this other stuff? Wait a minute. <clears throat> maturity, growing maturity is not so I can handle sin. Growing maturity is that I'm walking away from something and never going back. And never, and never entertaining that anymore. So when the enemy gets involved in your life, he, got, he gets involved through an access point. A weak point. <clears throat> he doesn't come right at the wall he finds, he looks for the back door. He looks for the cracks. He looks for things that maybe you don't think matters or, you know, it was whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he's going to find the weakest link in you. He's going to begin to try and change your thinking about things. And when he's done that, he's built a stronghold. And from the stronghold, his purpose is not just to stay. He's a, he's a spiritual cancer and he's desiring to spread and he's desiring to make it terminal. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. You can kick him out anytime you want. You do that first through repentance and then engaging in what God has. <clears throat> and, 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 and here's what you do. You inquire of the Lord. That's a better way to put it. You inquire of the Lord. 
And so as you're going forth and inquiring of the Lord, you repented, then the stronghold gets defeated. Now, if the stronghold's been there um, enough time, what becomes wrapped in the stronghold from your thinking is the cancer, that spiritual cancer that spread is going to attach itself to your soul. That is where the addiction forms. I can't live without it, though. So the easy addictions are, you know, alcohol, drugs, all this different kind of stuff. But it also includes itself in depression. Oppression. Anything that you need to numb yourself is not of God. And some people, the numbing is the buffet table. Food. See, we don't preach on that because... It, it's, it's not like alcoholism. It's not like drugs. It's not like those other things. But if you're using, you're eating for a purpose of comfort, the devil has a stronghold. And half the people just left. No, I'm just kidding. What I'm telling you is for you not to be angry or necessarily convicted. What I want is for revelation of, of the enemy will do anything he can to stay involved in your life. But you can push him out by not, by not giving into it. Now, here's how deep this war... So he's like, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? So I'm not going to a spiritual warfare with you know, my six shooter, <laughs> right? Or I'm not going to spiritual warfare with my carnal anger or any of that kind of stuff. That, that doesn't work, right? But when I'm going into spiritual warfare, the we weapons that we have come from the Lord and they are so powerful that they can uproot and take out the spiritual strongholds that the enemy has in you. And not only that, but restore your right thinking. And the word of God will be this guide as you're walking through life of what to allow in and what not to allow in to become a stronghold. And this is powerful stuff. And when you give yourself over to the word of God and the spirit of God, the enemy cannot get in. You, what you are constantly doing is restricting his access that he had to your life. And you're pushing him back. Now, in, in the Korean conflict, right, we had, we had North Korea all the way up to the Chinese border. I mean, it was almost over. And then the Chinese broke through with 33 divisions. That's like 330,000 men. Broke the lines, and it was a brand new war. And that's, that's exactly what the enemy has tried to do. Sometimes you can be doing so good, you feel like you got him pushed all the way back to that border. And then what begins to happen is, oh, we made it. You know, we're, we're through. And, and, and then he comes back with an assault, right? And it feels like, oh my gosh, how did that happen? Blah, blah, blah. Do not give up the fight. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you learn how to fight, now listen, I'm not talking about being silly. I'm not talking about being taken over because sometimes he can take people doing spiritual warfare and make them weird and of no good to the church. I'm not talking about that. Because God love them. There are weirdos. There are. And try to rope them in a little bit. Right? Bring balance to what you're doing. But God has not called you to be so consumed with the enemy. 
God has called you to be consumed with him. And when I'm consumed with him, there's joy. When I'm consumed over there, there's worry about where he's going to come next. I'm not talking about that. So the thing you do to become the best spiritual warfare person you can possibly be is become the fullest you can possibly be of the spirit of God. That begins to disarm. That begins to free the mind. That begins to restore the mind, okay? Now, lastly, this is the end. So, I mean, 30 minutes. Okay, no, just kidding. So here we're talking about in uh, Luke chapter 11. I think it's also in Matthew chapter 12. I just want to tie this together a little bit because people are always trying to get free, even if they're not Christians. You know, they're trying to get free. They're going to all these different kinds of things. I want to get free here. I want to get free here. And, and anything that is not of Christ that you're going to for your freedom is not going to make you free. It's going to give you what you want, but it's going to bring bondage in around in a back door way. Okay. So there's no freedom in any other entity out there than, than Jesus, all right? Like I said, you, the cessation, there may be a cessation of war on this front, but that's just to fool you, and now it's coming back in another way where you're not expecting, okay? So we know that Jesus is our freedom. We know Jesus, but look at what Jesus says in, in chapter, verse 14. He says he was, oh no, not verse, sorry, um, um, 24. He says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, and it goes through dry places seeking rest. Finding none, it says, I will return to my house for which I came. When it comes, it finds it swept and furnished, or in some of your things put in order, and it goes around and brings seven other spirits more wicked than itself. See the hierarchy? See the hierarchy? It brings seven spirits that are more wicked than itself. And there... They enter and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first state of the man. You can come down, and we can pray for you to get delivered. And, and the demon may leave. But if you don't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, or you just want to go back and, and living your life. Oh, I'm free from that. And go back. Because I've seen people do this. They come, and so I'm, 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 I believe in deliverance. But I'm not just going to deliver every single person that wants to come down. It's kind of like marriage. I'm not, a, I'm not a wedding pastor guy. Because I don't know if these people coming up to me that I don't know are ready to get married. They understand the vows. And I am held, I believe, that ministers are held accountable to God for the people that they marry if they don't take the time and know that they understand the bonds, the bonds that they're, they're doing, right? So that's why I don't do that. It's the same, I think, with deliverance. If I'm going to do deliverance on somebody, I don't just want to get the demon gone. I want them filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever language you're comfortable with, don't matter to me, but it has to happen there has to be something that fills that place. You can't just empty it and say, well, you get the rest of this stuff later. Because Jesus is talking about of what these spirits are seeking to do. So you may get free for a while and then all of a sudden, everybody, you got free from something and all of a sudden that craving came knocking at the door again. And you're like, oh, I thought I was delivered. You were. Don't mean he's not going to knock on the door. Don't open the door to the craving. If you open the door to the craving, he's not just coming back himself. 
This is why people that fall off the wagon, a lot of times, far worse than they were before because they're going after like a rabid dog. It's this principle. You've been delivered, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. When you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't take away your power of choice. The enemy stay, uh, still come knocking, but tap into the power, let the Holy Spirit answer the door. Right? So this, when we're talking about spiritual warfare, we want to make sure that our mind is set right through the word of God and the spirit of God. And then we want to make sure that what we've been delivered from, we filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't want to let these things back into our lives because they're bringing buddies with them because they want to, they want to take control. They want to demonize you, not every single day, but you understand what I'm saying. There's a place for us to understand that there are demons in the spiritual realm that are coming after you. We get that. We get that. But you are fully capable of disarming and taking care of that because of who resides in you. And what you submit to is what will rule in your life. What you submit to is what will rule in your life. Okay? Does that make sense? Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.